Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I am Sam, nurse, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today, we are off the clock mm. and all about the vagina. We are so honored today. We have the vagina whisperer here at The Selfie Show. Literally everything you wanted to know about a vagina mm. and then some. Mm. This is like the episode. This is pleasure for all. And like, please send this to your partner. Absolutely. Male, female, I don't care. Everyone needs to listen to this today. Absolutely. Turn it up. This is going to be such a good one. And trust me, you guys, there's so many things we, (laughs) I did not know about the end, just there's so many things you're gonna yeah, how good love attention him. did you pay in anatomy class because uh, this is like you probably didn't learn no this, this actually they didn't do a, a whole job of teaching anatomy yeah yeah this anatomy. is a whole new level um okay this is very on brand for us today unpopular opinion well this is yours this is mine uh, i feel like fighting can be a good thing especially in relationships i feel like there's a certain like it's a spectrum yeah like if you're always fighting that's a problem that is but a if problem. you never fight yeah. that's weird okay so here's my thought on <laughs> that's this. also a problem if well, you I never think... fight it's probably because you're keeping things in exactly and that's a problem also so i'm like you should not be at either end of the spectrum and i think this comes with every kind of relationship yeah. i think this comes with personal in terms of like romantic mm-hmm. i think that comes with friends and family um you know i think it it not only does that you holding back but i feel like you learn a lot about each other when you have us not necessarily fighting screaming just where you have like disagreeing agreements and you don't agree on something and I feel like if you're not speaking up and actually saying something that really resonates with you or something that bothered you or something that's just you know something going on with that person in your life I think that that's a big detriment and I think actually it can be a good thing to really talk it out you know really understand one their perspective your perspective what you liked about that action what you didn't like about the action I think it's just you know we really kind of discredit how important it is to have disagreements and the occasional, I won't say fight, but you know what I mean. Well, like fighting also doesn't have to be a negative thing. Disagreements are normal mm-hmm. and they should teach you how to communicate better with each other yeah. and how to work through these things and how to process the emotions around them mm-hmm. and how to deal with all that. So don't make fighting a negative thing and like it has kind of a negative connotation, but disagreements are normal and natural. It would be weird if you only ever got along with someone, but you should use that to your advantage to help build your relationship, learn each other better and figure out better communication techniques. Yeah. So I also think like holding things in and letting them fester is so much worse. It's like, then you go does come out. It's a disaster. It's like boiling pot over the top. You know, you're steaming, you're fuming. I think there was like, even just this last weekend, my mom, and I got into like a a tiff and I'm like when we actually talked it out it was so much better but I'm like it just took a moment I had to sit back and like okay why am I upset by this Mm -hmm. we talked it out we were hashed out but I'm like it's good for us I mean we got everything she laid out what she was upset by I laid out what I was upset by and by the end of it I was like okay this is good but I didn't want to let it fester I was like we have to address this and my mom's the kind of person who does not want to address it she like lets it sit on the side burner and like you know lets things go and I'm like no 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 no. I get that though because we are literally 
Capricorn birthday twins. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny because I think everyone thinks I'm like, because I'm so outspoken and whatever, like that I'm just always in fight mode. Yeah. And I'm like, really actually not. No, yeah. I will just sit there and like, okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. And like, mm-hmm. let it build. And then I finally will like, yes go just and it's like whoa that was not good I mean I try to not do that anymore but it's (laughs) it's a learning process we're all learning but it is it's good to be like find the the balance of that section plus you know a little little makeup sex yeah speaking of a witch yeah Honestly, so today we do have Dr. Amir Marashi. He's a board-certified gynecologist and is coined the vagina whisperer. (laughs) He was born in Iran, and at the age of 10, he began watching his father, who was a surgeon, work in operating rooms, and that really just set off his career. He then performed research at Stanford University and completed his residency in obstetrics and gynecology at New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Okay, guys, literally 50% of the population <laughs> has vaginas and yeah, we he do. has seen all of them, mm-hmm. all shapes, all sizes, all the vaginas of all ages. And the things that he's doing is such a wide variety from whether it's like fixing botched procedures or mutilations, if it's for aesthetic cosmetic purposes or to fix naturally like oversized or uncomfortable vulvas, mm-hmm. he does all it all and this is very on brand because september is actually sexual health awareness month so this was absolutely perfect today we're getting into all things women's pleasure we talk labiaplasties vaginoplasties and of course we have all the questions for the men too don't you worry and we're really taking the taboo out of vaginas dr marashi is also clearly an expert in vaginas and of course This is very on brand. He created a company with women's pleasure in mind. Meet Saray, which comes from Ceremony. And this is a physician-backed line of pleasure essentials. These are truly, you guys, sex-enhancing tools from suction, pulsation, angle rectifying. We're talking vibrators, orgasm gels. He has developed this amazing line with all women as the centerpiece of pleasure. And of course, you guys, the holidays are around the corner. And so, of course, we are so thankful and so, so, so honored. We have teamed up with Get Saray. So if you head to getsaray.com, that's G-E-T-C-E-R-E.com, they have very generously offered all the selfie listeners a code for 15% off. So just use the code selfie, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 15% off. And without further ado, let's get into it with the Vagina Whisperer. All right, so let's kick this off nice and spicy. Dr. Marashi, what is your unpopular opinion? Well, what I say that doesn't sit really well with a lot of people, uh, especially most men, is the fact that I'm trying to empower women and talk about things that nobody else wants to talk about. You know, growing up uh, back in Iran, which is funny with all the things that are happening right now, I always saw this bias towards dealing with my sister and dealing with me that how I could have done whatever I wanted to do. I could have brought whoever I wanted to bring home. I could have gone to any parties, but for my sister, she had a curfew. She couldn't go alone. And for every woman back then, you needed to be a virgin before getting married. 
And that, that started me thinking about, you know what, God is a man and maybe it just, everything is against women. And I thought that's only back home. But then I moved to England. I was living in Europe for a while. I lived, uh, then I moved to America. I'm like, oh, it's all the same thing. It's on different levels and people use different fronts to kind of, you know, hide it. Back home, they used, uh, you know, the Islamic and Sharia law to cover it. And they would be extremists and be like, oh, you know what? That's why this needs to be done this way. And then you come to England, you see a completely different approach. And like, like literally, you don't understand. But you see, why are women second-class citizens? Why do you see so many people in power that are men and women never get those kind of jobs? I was in the hospital in England. I'm like, how come there are so few consultants in the field that I am that are female and everybody's men. And, you know, to become a consultant in UK, you have to like literally somebody, some consultant needs to die before you can become a consultant. And so they passed it down to another man. It's crazy. And then I came to America and going through history, especially with going to OBGYN, uh, what really resonated with me is how Freud, just one man, one man show, he completely, completely censored clitoris and clitoral anatomy from all our books in medical school. Never. Know, this is crazy. This, it, it is, is crazy. crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I love that you're bringing that lens to it because it's so interesting because I think, you know, here we've talked about this a lot on the show about, you know, you know, the amazing things that we have and opportunities we have here. But at the same time, like the crazy amount of unconscious bias and the things that we do have to battle and the things that we're realizing, um, you know, and I think particularly in nursing, we're facing a lot of that. So I think it's so different hearing it come from a man who is worked so hard to be so well respected in their field, but to hear it come from someone of your caliber, I think carries a lot of weight, which I think even speaks to what your whole message was too. the fact that it like means almost more coming from you simply just because you are a man, but we do appreciate even hearing that and having your voice on here. Absolutely. Speaking for like for all of us. Thank you so much. And listen, I'm I'm a man and I can, it's much easier for me to be like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to be that macho guy too, who, is an asshole when he's in the operating room and I'm the man and nobody else knows shit. And I, you know what? I got to the point that I can do that. I can act like that. But even when I used to deliver babies and I was on labor floor, this is the first thing I taught my residents. I'm like, the people who are really making you and teaching you everything are your nurses. And you guys know, I mean, all the labor and delivery nurses, I mean, the ones that I've worked with, they were all females. I mean, like I saw one male labor and delivery nurse in my whole career, but these people, they knew more than me so many times. I'm like, you know what? They're like, Marashi, wake up. It's time to just do the C-section. <laughs> I wouldn't need to go examine the patient. I knew when she says, you know, that's the call. She's been living on that floor for the past 20 years. She's seen, she's seen everyone and everything. And then I saw the other attendings. Well, oh, I'm the doctor. This is the MD. Wait and see. You know, it's just so easy to be a macho man and kind of, but I feel, for lack of a better term, I'm sorry, I'm fresh off the boat. I don't know too many good words, but... <laughs> 
For a lack of a better term, it comes from a very small testicle and maybe very small penis. You know, it just... <laughs> no, that's what, that's what yeah. we call big dick energy. Yeah, here, I love your yeah. big dick energy. That's that the, is, yeah. That's the American term is that you actually have big dick energy. Yeah. When your penis is small, your ego gets bigger. You know, so it just, you don't need that kind of ego. You know what? Men and women, if it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't have been born. So we all came out of a vagina and you guys are running all your life to get in one. I mean, come on, just respect it. Oh, you are my favorite. Oh, what a way to kick off this episode. I love it. Okay, so we need to actually then just dive into your background, your upbringing, what got you into medical school, especially the OBGYN, and then to what you're doing now, the whole evolution, because your story is so interesting. Thank you. Um, Well, I grew up uh, back in Iran, of course. My father is an orthopedic surgeon, and uh, we, we literally grew up uh, I grew up with my mom and dad, and then my sister, of course, bo- was born later. But uh, I grew up in a hospital for the first probably 10 years of my life, a little bit shorter than that. And after that, we always lived right across from the hospital. But initially, it was right after revolution. I was born on the month of revolution, literally back in around 43 years ago. And it seems like that revolution is shaking right now, which is crazy to see. And it all starts from women, as you see. It all starts from women's hair and how backward we have to be to go kill people because of that. But anyways, that's where I started. And we were in the middle of a huge war. Um, and my father, of course, he's a physician, orthopedic surgeon Uh, he was the only surgeon back then in the hospital we were in so he would do anything from c-sections if needed to appendectomies to of course casualties of the war orthopedics and me living in the hospital i literally followed him everywhere and i loved it i didn't know anything but medicine so i always wanted to become a doctor Um, that was the beginning of it And then, of course, as we spoke before and I told you, I ended up, uh, he's a very, um, he's very strong in education. My father is like, you know what, you have to learn. So it started from like, I was learning anatomy since I was probably six years old, you know, recite all the bones in the body, recite this, recite that. So this is the only thing I knew. And I got in trouble because of it. In school, a lot of times, I remember this time I was going to school and you know how they try to brainwash you and they try to teach you things. Of course, different governments, you know, it it happened with all religions when they were like very close to government, these things happened. So one of the things they were telling us is like, oh, you know why in our religion, it says you have to have a hat on when you go into bathroom. And now... The scientists found out the reason for that is that the gases in your bowel are going to cause your hair fall. And that's why in our religion, they said that, oh, the head needs to be covered. See how smart they were 2,000 years ago. And me, an eight-year-old, stand up in between the class. I'm like, excuse me, that makes sense. But how come that area down there, I've seen my dad's, has so much Mm -hmm. hair? 
and it's so close to all the gases. <laughs> And of course, I got suspended from school for one week. But uh, <laughs> you've been on brand, yeah. You've yeah. been uh, pushing, pushing it since yeah. the early days. Yeah. So, but anyways, I, I I went. I ended up going to med school very early. I went to med school when I was 15 years old. Uh, wow! And graduated when I was 21, almost 22. Uh, I, I loved medicine. I was doing surgeries with my dad since I was probably 10 years old. Since I was 13, 14, I would do a lot of things independently. Like he would, he would be my assistant when we were doing like a carpal tunnel or something together. And I mean, it just, of course, he supervised, he made sure I'm not making any mistakes, but it was amazing how I learned from an early age. I wasn't scared of trauma because, you know, they would bring war casualties to the hospital in a dump truck because if they left them, they would have gotten killed by the enemy. So they would bring them, whether you're dead or alive or like amputated leg, they would just put everybody in the back of a dump truck. They would empty them in front of the hospital. And I learned from early ages to run around with my dad in between these people, see who has a pulse, who doesn't have a pulse. He was triaging them with his nurses. And I was in charge of putting white sheets on top of whoever's face who's dead. So I feel like if I did this as a kid growing up here, I would have been diagnosed with like 10 different kinds of PTSD and, you know, would have been in therapy for the rest of my life. But, you know, it was just a normal thing. I'm like, it's happening to everyone. Everybody's going through it. So it's kind of like when you're doing some kind of a sport from when you're young and it just doesn't phase you. Uh, It really didn't phase me. And I thought that's normal. And I'm so blessed to be here. You know, and now being able to see different kind of medicine and bringing that experience back here, which helped me a lot. You know, went right after residency, between residency to, to Haiti, and it started a nonprofit organization to do surgeries there, take care of casualties after the earthquake, and a lot more surgeries. And it just, it makes you so humble to see how thankful people are. And it makes you so humble to have that background that you can use the same suture on four different people. I know you can disseminate. They said, oh, what if you give them HIV? Well, you try to clean it with, you know, alcohol and this and that. But if somebody is dying out of, you know, pouring right. out yeah, blood. You're in a mass casualty. Hemorrhaging. Right. That's what you're going to do. doesn't matter. Yeah. You do it on the dirt in the middle of a street. So right. it, it, it was amazing. That, that was very good training. But about OBGYN, um, I loved it from early ages. And that's how my, you know, love kind of started. Of course, with that, I was doing orthopedic cases. But uh, in uh, in Iran, a lot of people, a lot of women had to be, of course, virgin when they get married. Otherwise, they could have gotten killed on the day of wedding, on the night of wedding. So my friends, knowing that I, my dad, you know, has a hospital and I kind of know everyone. They're like, you know what, can you find somebody to help my girlfriend or my like whatever friend get her hymen redone, like fix it. I'm like, sure. Mm. And I found a a dear friend of my father, God bless his soul. He passed away a few years ago, but one of the very good OBGYNs I knew and the person who introduced me to the vagina, because of course, 
you know, that age, I haven't seen any, you know, and it just, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't have had sex, you know, yeah. back then it was kind yeah. of, oh, you know. So this guy introduced mm. me to it and I, uh, I would take these patients to him and I was his assistant. And after 10, 15 patients, I learned so much that I ended up doing over 200 hymenoplasties back there, of course, underground, because if they found out you're doing something like this, you could have been prosecuted. How old were you at that age? How old? Around 18, 19 in medical school. Wow. So that was kind of, was that your introduction into working with vaginas and, you know, getting into OBGYN? Was that the beginning of it? It was. And I really loved, look, I really, I still in my heart, I really love orthopedic surgery um, because, and I, I, I think in a lot of cases in ortho, I still do with my eyes closed. Even when I go to Haiti or I do nonprofit, uh, I do a lot of good ortho cases, but that was the beginning of it. And then, of course, when I came to United States, I mean, first I went to England and I did a still ortho and biomechanics and I love biomechanics. And I'm like, you know what? From those days I was thinking, now I saw Hyman, I saw the vagina, I noticed, why doesn't anybody do research on biomechanics of intercourse. It's so important, you know, mm. how different <laughs> sexual positions are, how different, how, how much you can arouse people with like different sex positions. But of course, back then I didn't have any GYN uh, training, but of course I'm studying biomechanics and I see all the forces and, you know, biomechanics is very amazing. Uh, mostly we talk about walking, running, and a lot of sports are involved in it because, of course, sports teams, basketball, baseball, soccer, they have a lot of money. So they spent a lot of money on really, you know, funding these kind of research. But nobody, you know, sex is a taboo. Nobody really funded research for biomechanics of intercourse. Always was a dream for me when I was studying biomechanics. And guess what? Two months ago, I published the first really biomechanics of sex, you know, intercourse and wow. which position, in which position you will have the most amount of clitoral engorgement and is best. Which okay, one? can we get the findings <laughs> on like, that? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's the, the position? Can we, we get the conclusion of yeah, this Yeah, we need study? to know the, re <laughs> the you know it, results you, of you, this. You sound like me when I was like, I'm like, just, just tell me, tell me that. Because I've done my own, I've done my own research. It's not public. Okay, well, what's yours? What's yours? What's your favorite? On top. Okay, yeah, I would agree. I feel like on top for me. Perfect. So look, th this is the thing. The, the thing about woman on top, and it's, it's a very, very good position, is that you are in control. Now, let's talk a little bit about orgasm. And I'm going to tell you uh, the finding of our research. And I feel like I'm talking too much, yeah. so I have to let... Please do. No, go, <laughs> no, in, go no. into it. This is like, we we're obsessed. We have talk all day. Yes. Okay. So uh, the research that we did, and I'm going to get there... First, I'm going to tell you why you enjoy more when you are on top. First of all, remember in women, uh, 90 to 95% of orgasm and enjoyment starts from the brain. So that is a really important part. You are not like a guy who can get his penis inside any holes and it just, you know, is the same thing. It's not just as physical, you know. What is really important for a woman is that they think about it. They fantasize about things. And that's why after a while, let's say you are with someone for a while, you may physically not be attracted to them anymore. 
And it may not, they may not give you the butterflies. And I had patients who came to me and be, oh, you know what? I, I don't enjoy sex anymore. It's not like before. And when you talk to them and talk to them, and the key question I ask, I'm like, okay, so you are with your partner for 20 years. Do you ever, like, let's say you see this really hot, good-looking guy in a party, he's dancing or something. If he asked you to dance, would you still get the butterflies? She's like, oh, my God, I would, you know, jump on top of him and sit on his face. I'm like, <laughs> guess what? So the problem <laughs> is not you. You know, you still have that. thing. You just we all like... We all like a little bit of variety. It's just human mind. And for a woman, as, as bad as it may sound, you know what? Yeah, you got sick of that guy. And there are ways to stimulate that and make it better. But a lot of it is in the head. Now, why is that when women sit on top? A lot of women love this position. Because you can tune him out completely. Whatever movement he feels he's doing, he thinks, oh my God, his dick is the biggest one and I'm doing it from the right and I'm going to do it like this way. And he thinks, just, just like some men that go down on women and the, they think they know everything, but they are like, oh, their face is all over the place. And my patients tell me, look, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So I had actually this, oh, yes. the oral sex class for men. I was telling them, you know, what oh, do you have to do? Please. No, no, no. I actually have a class. I'm going to have yeah. another one in a month for oh, men to. Yes. Oh, wonderful. We will advertise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> would, would people, Learn would people be offended that I know if I directly sent them? <laughs> just, just in case you're interested. You need to take this <laughs> Wink, wink. wink. Yeah. Hint, hint. But honestly, I'm telling you, <sighs> ladies, it's just when you are on top, you get to move however you want to move. So you get the most amount of friction to your clitoris, whether the inside part of it or the outside part of it. So that is super, super, super important. That's the most important. And that's why when you are on top, you really enjoy intercourse. Now, what happens, I mean, with our research, I'm going to explain it to you. So look. Let's take out the big guns. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. This is the vagina. And as we talked, I mean, this is okay. the, the whole thing is wall, wall. Of course, the vagina is the part that's inside. So the vaginal angle, it's usually people think, oh, is it straight? It's not really straight. You're looking this from the side, right? So if you look from the woman's sideways, if somebody is laying down from the side, the vaginal angle is not as straight like this. The penis doesn't go like this. The vaginal angle is really downwards. It's this way. Why is the vagina going down this way? Has it a sliding slope? Because the clitoris is on top here. So, and all the clitoral crew and, uh, you know, bulbous is down here sitting inside the vagina around, which is the G spot. When you go in a couple of centimeters and you go up, that's the G spot. That's really the end of the clitoris, which I'm going to show you clitoris and we're going to go over its anatomy in a bit. But it's super, super important when you have this downward angle, you are entering the penis when it enters and penises usually have a little upward tilt. Even if they don't, doesn't matter because this is downward, it's entering it's stimulating the front wall of the vagina where all the nerves are. All those 8,000 nerves that we have in front of the vagina going to clitoris, whether you want to call it G-spot, G-zone, anything, they're all sitting in the front wall. And guess what? This penis stimulates against them or whatever toy you're using stimulates against them. So that is why 
you want to have this downward angle. Now, what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what happens with aging to downward angle. But with our basically research, this is what we found out. The more you simulate this angle, the better stimulation you get in the clitoris. How did we find out which one is going to be the best? We actually did before and after ultrasound and during intercourse ultrasound on the clitoris mm. you know and that listen that, that that's why we're going to get to that point uh i i wasn't participating myself uh just <laughs> just for you to know but uh okay. because uh but this is really the research we are doing me and uh you know, my research partner, Dr. Lobby, which I'm going to talk about her a little bit. It's so groundbreaking and people don't like people. Oh, I think I was, I was with a friend last night and he said, Oh, you know, it's such a fun research. I'm like, you know what? It just don't make it so light because it's about sex. You know, that's the same thing, the same crap they gave to, uh, Dr. Masters and Virginia Johnson for Masters and Johnson and the things that they did really changed a lot of the stuff we know but we kind of stopped and we did not do research on sex because everybody thinks well we know it and that's the reason we so many relationships go down the drain so many people don't enjoy it so many people don't have sex so the best position first missionary as you know, vanilla as missionary oh, is, <laughs> you know, you are entering the vagina is actually downward angle and you're stimulating the front wall. Now, a lot of people lost this downward angle and it's a little bit more flat, which we're going to talk about it. So guess what? The most stimulation we got with missionary position pillow. with a little bit of pillow under the buttocks. Yeah, support. Get that oh angle. Oh my God. I was, I'm all about the pillow. The, the, the pillow... Gotta hit the angles. Pillow is, oh, it's just amazing. Perfection yes, is the best. Mm-hmm. That it, I can back up anecdotally. Back up your research. <laughs> I think it's interesting you're doing the research in general because, like you said, it's so taboo in medicine. Right. It's not something really even covered in medical school, nursing school, anywhere. It's not researched. It's not studied. But it's such a huge part of not only your physical and mental health. But if you think about it, every single patient that probably came to you for other things, whether it's like ortho or OBGYN or the first thing after even having a baby or any injury, any surgery, any health illness related thing. First question back is like, when can I have sex again? Hmm. Exactly. That is like all patients healing from everything. That's like the biggest thing is like, okay. Like I've had surgery and it's like, all right, like, yeah, when can I do like start lifting again? But it's like really like, okay, but when can I have sex again? (laughs) That is like the biggest thing, but then you don't talk about it anywhere. Also, it's literally the foundation of life. Like that is literally is how we create life. And it is so interesting to me that you are talking about this, like, and one, how taboo this topic is, but also how unresearched it truly is it's so funny because i'm in my head i'm like who would support this research right it's like who would fund that research originally right and i think this is amazing this is like one we all need everyone wants to know this everyone wants to know exactly like this should be the norm this you know i think it's revolutionary so wait is that why like doggy style from the back is like 
I don't feel like as a woman, I'm like, if I'm doing that, I really get very minimal for it. I'm just like, enjoy the view and that's for you. You do your thing. And I'm like, I'll do that after I've been on top or after yeah. I'm missionary, like you whatever. First, I'm like, yeah. all right, let me get me first, me all situated. And then I'm like, all right, now go to town because I don't really get anything from that. And is that because of the angle situation? It is. And you know what? Doggy style. I, Cause I've tried to explain to my guy friends. I'm like, I don't like that does nothing for me. I'm doing that as a courtesy for you but now i feel like now yeah, it's justified yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know what i let's um, i mean doggy style is really it's really you're doing it for the man you don't get you. and a lot of women are gonna tell you no i enjoy it it's just you know in the brain when you see that it, a lot of women it's they have such an amazing mind they want to please their partner you know, they want to please their partner. You know, a lot of women say, oh, my God, I enjoy eating him so much. You know what? No, you don't really enjoy that. But you're doing it because when you see the noises he's making and you see him being happy, you feel achieved. Just like a man who yeah. feels achieved when they and you know what? Women are so nice to their partners and they've been so nice during all the years in the history, you know, staying home not doing their stuff, raising the kids, being there for the man, cooking for him, doing all of those, that for this even they faked so many times and they go, oh my God, honey, you're so big. Oh, ooh, ah. Oh. And it is actually one of the most, you know, pain. It, it's the best for men. You know what? As a man, I'm telling you, uh, I can't live without doggy style. But, but, <laughs> you know, but, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not... Really, and if as a man, if you are doing that, make sure you have a little wand or something with yourself, you know, like a massager or something, and help your woman out at that time. So let her like it, or at least do something really good before you get to that point, as you said, and then get to that position. And I tell you that this doctor who taught me how to do uh vaginoplasties and how to do uh, hymenoplasties in the beginning he passed away he's like one of those really old school guys um and back in iran he was even 30 years behind the time so he always said about doggy style he's like do you know why all men like to do it from the back i'm like no tell me this was his reasoning he's like you know what when you come out of mom's vagina usually you know the head is looking towards the butt. He's like, the first place they see is the anus. And that's the first, that's the first view they get. And that takes them. I mean, that was a joke he said, but. It's so and, funny. Yeah. yeah. It's your first view. I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So we need to know though, like speaking of the vagina, like you are the vagina whisper. Where did that name come from? Like, yeah, let's, let's go back to the into origin. The, yeah, yeah. The, let's vagina. Let's talk about vagina whisper. I actually, yeah. I'm so thankful to my nurses, you know, for giving me that nickname. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, ha, ha, my as my dad says, he's like everything you learn in residency and in the hospital, you learn from your nurses. They make you or break you. But really, this is the nickname I got from them. Uh, this happened in Haiti the first time. And uh, we were on this mission, of course, helping people. The earthquake uh, uh, fiasco was completely done, but still people don't have houses. Uh, 
they don't have doctors. A lot of these people to come see us when they knew I'm there for a week, they're like, oh, the doctor came from America. So they would come from all the villages and they would line up for days sometimes, for like two, three days. No bitching, no saying that, oh my God, you know, I'm lazy. No, they probably wouldn't eat anything. They, they would wait in this line. So finally, they are like, please, please, the nurses, the Haitian nurses, please see this patient because nobody wants her to be in line. Like, why? Because she's the lady who smells like shit. Like, what do you mean she smells like shit? She's this lady who nobody in town wants to be associated with her. Apparently, she had a few kids. Her husband left her. Her kids don't even want to see her because she smells so foul. And they think it could be from around down there. Well, just bring her in. They're like, okay, your own risk. So all the Haitian nurses left the room. It's me and my two American nurses. And we like literally we examined the patient. And I'm like, you know what? Let me examine. I put this speculum. I can't really see anything. But based on everything, and then I'm like, we got to clean up the vagina for a minute. They're like, it smells so bad. I'm like, listen, it's going to smell even worse to clean up all the you know, discharges and everything. So I cleaned it up with the light. Didn't have any imaging. I'm like, she has a rectovaginal fistula. And that's a basically pathway. I mean, you guys know, but for the listeners, that's the pathway that was built between the rectum, anus, and her vagina. So basically her fecal matter, her poop, would come inside her vagina and it kept like sitting inside the vagina and getting even worse smelling, getting mixed with vaginal discharges and not defecating it, of course. So it being sitting there, it just, it was very, very, you know, difficult. I, I don't even know how she lived with herself. And was this from um, from pregnant pre- previous pregnancies, or was it a congenital? No, no, no. It was from a vaginal yeah, birth. Yeah. It was from so you know what? Okay, it, it. Rectovaginal fistula happens mostly with vaginal birth when there's not good care. Uh, you know, sometimes you may have had like a huge tear, and they put a couple of stitches with whatever they you know stitch their clothes or something. They go through the anus, but she built a rectovaginal fistula. I'm like. Let's take her to the OR. They're like, oh. I'm like, we can't take her to the OR. So I think it was the day after that. We are like, oh, we're going to fix you. Uh, we kept her to the, we took her to the OR, gave her heavy antibiotics before, took her to the OR. I closed the fistula, cleaned her out. The OR smelled really bad, but after we cleaned her out, she was so thankful to me. She kept coming back and she's like, you know, you gave my family back to me. And the nurses were so happy. They're like, look, in America, we would have done a million studies to find out about this. You had to do like a CT scan, do the contrast, do this, that, do that. They're like, you are really a vagina whisperer. And then they started saying it more in the operating room. And I ended up getting the nickname. But that was the start. <laughs> that's that. a pretty cool nickname. Yeah. That's a cool story, though, because you truly gave her her life back. Yeah, that's yeah. Definitely. It's, it's amazing. You know, when you go to, uh, to any countries, I mean, I did a lot of uh, nonprofit work before, but Haiti was completely different because, you know, I mean, you've known how many earthquakes and hurricanes they've gone through. They don't have the infrastructure. 
because whatever money went to that government, the government stole it and the right. people didn't get it. So it's not like in Bahamas that you have all the beautiful resorts and it, it could have been. You know, but the government is so corrupt, they took all the money for themselves. So when you go there and you help people and you see that thank you, it just, it's the biggest self-satisfaction you get. I, whenever I went, I, I didn't want to come back. I'm like, look, what I'm doing in America, there are a thousand other doctors who can do it. But what I do here, it's only me. So every time I went there, I pushed back my return ticket at least for two, three days because I would find a few more surgeries that I'm like, well, I can't not do this and go back. Amazing. Speaking to that a little bit, I am curious because I want to go into this. The procedures that you're doing, um, you know, your, your, your vaginal plasty, can you go into like all the amazing things that you're doing and how you've really become this amazing, iconic vag- vagina whisperer? Like I want to hear a little bit about what you do ins and outs of it so look i i I really knew anatomy of vagina from back in medical school i started dissecting the clitoris before anybody else really did because it wasn't in any of our books clitoral anatomy as i told you it was deleted from anatomy books in uh, 1900 and that was a hundred years ago by freud just saying that oh Clitoral orgasms are immature orgasms. And only mature <laughs> orgasm is something that happens from the vagina. And basically, if a woman is masturbating, touching her clitoris, that's just an immature orgasm. You have to find a man mm. good enough to be able to give you the vaginal orgasm. So, you know, it's all about the man who is uh, playing the yeah. part. So clitoral anatomy went out of the books. In medical school, they told us clitoris is like this you know, little dot that you have it right on top of the labias. And, you know, if you ask most men or most women, even on the street, that's what they think. That's the clitoris. They don't know. They pack bigger stuff that their man has, or at least the same size inside and has the same exact anatomy, which I'm going to be showing that to you. But that is really what clitoris is, a very, very powerful organ. So I started dissecting that. I started Focusing on anatomy of the vagina as I'm doing these procedures, you know, vaginoplasties that uh, after residency, I started doing a lot of them. I did so many of them initially for free. I would just charge for, you know, anesthesia fee because I'm like, listen, um, I'm doing this. I'm trying to help you, uh, but I'm not the most amazing in it. And I, I, I definitely, I think I do much better than so many other people, but learned a lot more. So I'm so thankful to my patients, especially to my victims of female genital mutilation. They taught me a lot. They are the ones who taught me vaginal anatomy because, you know, somebody had cut their clitoris, but they thought clitoris is just here and put a couple of stitches here. So they don't have this part. And I had to dissect them. I mean, you ladies are nurses, you work in ICU, you know, after surgeries, especially in this kind of area, how much scarring there could be, especially if somebody just cut you with a razor on the side of a street. So you've got to open up all that scarring, dissect it, find the clitoris. So I'm so thankful to them for showing me the real clitoris and showing me that, oh, you know, those men or those grandma, usually the grandmas cut this the ones who cut this, they only saw the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more underneath it, which we dissected it. I would make 
creams, I would make things to give them the sensation back. And that kind of taught me a lot more about anatomy. Of course, I did over thousands of labioplasties, vaginoplasties. I started getting all the botched labioplasties from, you know, other doctors who somebody amputated the labia. They would come to me so I can fix it. Uh, and started training a lot of doctors. I'm like, you know what? There needs to be more voice around this. And for lack of better way to be, you know, in a Western society, I'm like the best way to do it, to make it loud, let's do something with the fashion show. So I did a designer Regina fashion show. And wow. we called it the designer Regina fashion show in 2017 in the fashion week, uh, you know, and that's when Trump was running for presidency. So it's so funny that for almost a week on New York Post, our article was trending higher than the articles about Trump. It, <laughs> As it should. It, it, Good. <laughs> it ended up, it ended up going, but, but listen, back then, remember everything because New York Post is all about writing the juicy stuff. And he had the most juicy yeah. stuff when he was running. Everything that would happen, like you couldn't keep mm. up with that. But mm -hmm. this, the quest for pretty, they call it, they call it the quest for double P pretty, you know, vagina. So, and then they, they wrote, everybody who came to that room, it was in iHeartRadio. Everybody, every reporter who came to that room, they came to tear me a new one. And when they heard everything and they heard, you know, all feminists, they heard everything that our patients, and nobody was naked. It wasn't like, oh, designer vagina fashion should walk out with your vagina out. No. Everybody who was talking about their experience, how they got empowered, the girl who came and talked about the fact that, you know, she could not even have her partner down on her. She was so self-conscious and she had to have the lights off all the time and she wouldn't ever get orgasms because she couldn't relax because her labias were too big. She was uncomfortable with them. And because of that, we did surgery and now she wants to have all the lights off. She wants to show it off. She wants to sit on top of him. She's actually enjoying it. She's like, you gave my life back to me. Or the woman who yeah. we fixed the angle of her vagina and now she's actually at age of 50 is back and more active than ever. And remember, orgasms are so important. They give you, you know, they give you good sleep. They give you good fertility. They make your mood elevated. There are so many things that you go to the gym for one hour, you have to go for 10 hours to the gym to get as much endorphins and dopamines as you get in one good Ooh, orgasm. Okay, yeah. I believe yeah. <laughs> it is, it, it's really good. It's, it's, it's very good for you. And listen, that's why at night I always tell patients, oh, I have problems sleeping, this, that. I'm like, you know what? Just have a good sex, have an orgasm. Well, he can't do it. Well, that mas masturbate, nightcap. do something, you know, it's the best. Nightcap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you break down what all the different surgical procedures are? Like, because we've mentioned labiaplasty and fixing the angle. Like, what are all the different sure. names and what, what do they sure. entail? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, of course, uh, labioplasty is probably the biggest one right now. People love getting labioplasties done. Because of the trends, and I always, I tell you about labioplasty. I tell people when they come and ask me, do I need labioplasty? The first answer I give them is that 
nobody needs labioplasty is what you want. You know, do I need a smaller nose? I don't know. If you want it, I do the cosmetic work for you. For, for most patients, it's a cosmetic work. And I tell them, now there are people that would benefit from it a lot more because let's say it's so elongated that bothers them with like sport activities, you know, bothers them with their like tight, especially right now with like all the yoga pants and the tight pants, you know, everything is going to be out. They keep getting like recurrent yeast infection. So it, there are medical indications for it as well. So they're both, but mostly cosmetic. You come a little bit higher than labia. So we talked about the labiaplasty, which are the labias inside. Actually, let's go in the larger one is better. So these are, when we talk about labiaplasty, we talk about labia minora, these labias. And then you go higher, you have the clitoral hood. So a lot of times you need a clitoral hood reduction. And that's a lot of times when I get a botched labioplasty. It's when they cut the labias and they made them so short and the woman comes to me, they're like, oh, you know what? This part now looks like my little son's penis. You know, I heard that so many times because it's going to become improportionate. Now, so clitoral hood reduction is another procedure that not oftentimes, but in 30% of cases needs to be done with labioplasty. And a lot of doctors don't tell you. And I hope they don't touch the clitoral hood if they don't know what they are doing because there are lots of nerves around there. So that's one of the trainings that I teach doctors. That if you want to do clitoral hood reduction, do it the right way and don't go close to nerves. So that's the other procedure we do for clitoral hood. Now, anything I do to, our, to this area, I try to do an ultrasound unless it's a completely... You see what's going on. So that's the other thing. You've got to make sure your doctor is trained in clitoral ultrasound. I'm not saying it's because, oh, I do the training or I teach, but it's really, you get one chance to get this right. And it's your vagina, your labia, and you don't have to do it. But if you do it, do it the right way. That's what I always tell a patient. Okay, well, if we're doing anything, we're coming to you, sir. Yeah, so, I'd be very like, nervous about who I would let uh, yeah. any surgical instruments uh, like, near my vagina We're with. flying out to uh, come to you because I'm like, there's... May, yeah, maybe we can yeah. do it in the studio if you want to. There are... Oh, there you go. <laughs> there are procedures that we do in the studio. We're going to talk about that. So, oh, yes. <laughs> so that's so we talked about labia minoroplasty and clitoral hood reduction. Then there's labia majoroplasty. So labia majora is this outside part that you see that two two different situations you may want to make it smaller. Sometimes as we get older and we lost a lot of collagen here you get a lot of saggy skin here, just like our faces, you know. We lose the collagen and everything is start dropping. You get these lines. So what you can do is to lift everything up. So that's one thing, kind of like a facelift for... Vagina uh, facelift. For your vulva. Yeah. 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 Facelift for your vulva. Vulva, vulva facelift. facelift, yeah. So that is okay. going to be okay. the labia majoroplasty. And then, of course, the most important procedure it's vaginoplasty. Now I'm going to tell you about these are all the surgical and then we can talk about non-surgical after this. So vaginoplasty is really going in, tightening the vagina. Um, there are fake vaginoplasties and real vaginoplasties. I tell people, be aware of that. Sometimes you see that, oh, somebody came and make this opening outside a little tighter. 
and make it look cute from outside. But in reality, you got to in and you got to tighten the muscle. There is a muscle between there is connective tissue between your anus and your vagina, the vaginal opening here. We call it perineal body. This perineal body is really, really important. This is what makes the slope in the vagina steep. Okay? So the perineal body is sitting. This is the anus. The perineal body is underneath here and brings it up. And that's how the vagina has the downward angle. As we get older, as we lose collagen, just like our faces, as we have kids, all of these things, you lose this collagen back here. These muscles become atrophized. And what happens, this is becoming smaller, so this angle becomes more flat. So you really want to rebuild this whole perineal body. You want to rebuild all the muscles at the bottom and bring the vagina up and make it tighter. So that is vaginoplasty. So these are the surgical ones. Okay. Is there any way to prevent that muscle from like weakening? Of course. Like, you know, they talk Kegels. Just Kegel. Yeah. Like is Kegel like. Kegels are really important. Look, pelvic floor therapy exercises, Kegels are really, really important. But Imagine one thing, and vaginas really, you know, bounce back, especially when we are younger. Uh, you are 20 years old, you have a kid, the vagina bounces back to at least to 80% of what it was before. But the problem is that imagine you're stretching a rubber band and you hold the rubber band open for a while, for like four hours, five hours, this head, this big head is sitting inside the vagina. What's going to happen? When you look at this rubber band later on, you're going to see a tiny cracks on it too. There are going to be some tears, especially if you had a tear. And if that muscle is not put back correctly, which 90% of the times on labor and delivery, there's so much bleeding and so much joy that you cannot really super clean put everything together. I remember when I was getting trained, they're like, oh, to just stop the bleeding, the best way to do is to just suture as fast as you can. You know, so many times you don't even see what you're suturing. Of course, you clean it up. You're putting the woman together. But the most important thing is just to prevent more hemorrhage at that time and make sure you put things together nicely. But you're not going to find every single muscle and you make it as nice as it was. And even if you wanted to do it, you can't do it because it's distorted, you know, especially if they got a tear on them their own. So yes, Kegels are going to help. They are super helpful and they are very important, just like any kind of exercise. But most cases you will need a little bit more help than Kegels. Now, sometimes it could be just pelvic floor therapy. Sometimes it could be a little bit of laser. Sometimes it could be something to just... And depending on... Sometimes with one kid, nothing really happens. When you have the second and the third one, and then when you have kids a little bit old, age of 30 you are, look, we're losing collagen and weight in our faces. So this rubber band is not that brand new shiny rubber band that we had, you know, when we got it. This rubber band already has collagen, lost elasticity. Imagine an older rubber band. When you pull it, you start seeing the cracks on it. So it's maybe not a very good analogy, but people understand it when I, you know, bring the rubber band analogy because you can completely, the elasticity of rubber band is just 
in its collagen, just like us. So the newer it is, the more elastic it is. Now leave it in the basement for two years and go pull it. It may not even go back to the normal size. So yes, exercising Kegels are super important, but uh, most of the time you will need a little bit more help. Can I ask a selfish public floor question (laughs) off topic? Well, just because I need to settle like a debate with some people from my gym. Um, I went to a public floor physical therapist because I when I would like lift super heavy, I would have like stress incontinence. When I'm like talking like heavy, I'm talking like 350 plus pound deadlifts and everything. So I went to this pelvic. Oh my God. I I can deadlift 385 pounds, but I can like do for multiple reps, like above 350. So that happens at the heavier weights. And everyone at my gym was like, you have a really weak pelvic floor. You need to go to public floor physical therapist. So I finally just went and she was like, you don't have a weak pelvic floor. Like, and I've never had kids or anything. She's like, it's the opposite. You have a hypertonic pelvic floor. And I went back to everyone at my gym and I was like, I don't have a weak pelvic floor. She did an exam. She was up in there, all that. She said, it's a hypertonic pelvic floor, AKA I have the tightest pussy in the game. (laughs) And everyone was like, Sam, like, don't talk like that. And I'm like, and they're like, that's not what that means. And I'm like, all right, here's my chance to get, to, to what, what does that even mean? What does a hypertonic pelvic floor mean? I just want to be able to clear this, this up and then we can move yeah, on. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> because that's right now I'm, I'm claiming that. No, listen, you probably have a very, very strong pelvic floor, especially if you are going to the gym that much and you are lifting that heavy. Uh, and I tell you one thing, even athletes, when they lift heavier weights, what happens? I mean, you are nurses. You do Valsalva. You're pushing your internal organs. All of them are under a lot of pressure. So they all push on what? They push on your stomach. They push on your basically diaphragm. And they push down on your bladder. So yes, you can have a little bit of leaking. And there's no problem with that. Now, If you told me, you know what, if I'm coughing or sneezing, I lose urine, which happens, you know, after a kid or two, that that would be a weak pelvic floor. But uh, this is, I wouldn't even go to a pelvic floor therapist. And doing, given the fact that you have, you're doing those kind of exercises, and I'm sure your core is very strong because you can do that. Anybody who has a strong core have very good musculature around their vagina and pelvic floor. So... I can certify that without even seeing you. But can you certify that the hypertonic pelvic floor means things down there are top quality? I mean, does that mean she has a tight pussy? Uh, I mean, listen, that, that, that I need to verify that I can examine you. I just want to like prove this to me. I just told them, I'm like, Uh, I'm just saying that science says that things are good. Yeah. But listen, if the tone is high, it means that all these muscles are pushing against each other. So uh, the vagina whisperer has spoken. I have a question for you. (laughs) Okay, because we're talking about all things vagina. And obviously, this is like this is like your line of work. And so we need all the tips for all of the partners out there. So all these guys out there and all the partners, Mm -hmm. do you have any good tips as to how to help us in the bedroom or help them in the bedroom? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, listen, first of all, to partners, especially if, I mean, your female partners, they they would know because this part, but if any guys are listening out there, 
you know, it's very important for them to establish the mental connection, even if you've been with your partner for the past 20 years. You know, yes, they would, they would do a quickie with you, but try to every time, don't forget, don't underestimate the foreplay, don't underestimate, you know, even playing with her hair, whatever that turns her on, do that. Start with that. So mental connection is very, very important. And then after that, learn your anatomy. Just know that there are a couple of parts that are super sensitive. And for, listen, there are parts that every woman is different. Some people have a lot of sensation in their lips, on their nipples. That you will know and your partner knows. So you can ask them. Um, even for men, some men have a lot of sensation on their nipples. So they, ah. they, they would tell their partner. They do. And it's so funny. I tell you about that because... I'm doing some stuff for men too, and we can talk about that. Usually partners bring their man to me to just uh, do something for them. But uh, <laughs> it's funny, if, if your partner, your guy partner, you know, I'm, I'm even, I'm, I'm going and I'm trying to do something for men right now. But uh, since we said it, if your male partner has sensitive nipples, sometimes like let's say the right side is more sensitive than the left or the left. So you got to know which one is more sensitive. And it usually is the opposite side of their creative side of brain. And so usually it would be the right side. And usually these men are more of like creative people, more like artists in older ages, Based on, you know, the things that I've heard, and at least I heard from a hundred different men and their partners. But, uh, so your woman is like that. They may be sensitive there or not, but the thing that they are really sensitive is clitoris. I mean, is the sensory organ. So you got to know about clitoris. Now, this is the clitoris. If you always thought, if you like thought clitoris is... Like a wishbone. It's like, it looks like a wishbone. Yes. And... Looks like a dog toy. A dog toy <laughs> wishbone. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so what happens, this is the only part we see. This is the glands of the clitoris, which if you see on here, is just the tiny dot that you see on top. Okay, so that's the only part we see. And the rest is sitting, not underneath the skin, is actually sitting around the vagina. So... This is going in and it's sitting around the vagina. So that's why when you are entering the vagina, of course, you can stimulate the clitoris. But when you enter the vagina and you go up, you're like, oh, this area is so sensitive. This area is so sensitive. Because all the nerves that are going, you're like literally touching the clitoris. And when Freud said, <laughs> you know, clitoral orgasms are immature, really vaginal orgasms are really clitoral orgasms too unless we only want to call clitoris up you know the last part here the tip of the iceberg but really is in here so for men most importantly start from this area of course the outside of the clitoris i would start for i mean when i teach men i'm like always use some kind of lubrication or orgasm gel or something Make sure you wash your hands. You don't want to give BB to your partner. Make sure you take a shower. You don't smell, you. you know. Uh, <laughs> again, your female partners know all of these. Uh, if you have female partners, but male partners, sometimes they are like, oh, you know, be a man, this, that. But you want to make sure all the parts are really clean. Um, that sets 
you know, the mood as well. And then you can start from around the clitoris, of course, the outer portion. And inside the vagina, always remember the top part. So when you are entering the vagina, you want to go for the top. So make sure you fix the angle. It's all about the angle. So what are the things, you know, I'm going to get into this because this is very important. It's all about the angle. There are different ways to make, to adjust the angle, to fix the angle and make sure people can have better orgasms. One, of course, as a gynecologist, what do I do? I'm like, oh, let's just put a couple of stitches here. Do my vaginoplasties. That fixes the angle. Yes. And then... I came up with another procedure. I'm like, oh, you know what? Not everybody wants to get a full-on vaginoplasty. So I did hundreds of this, and we're actually having a paper coming out on it. We call it Vagilangelo, like Michelangelo for the vagina. Okay. I like that name. What a great name. Yeah. That's the nickname. That's the nickname my anesthesiologist gave me, Dr. Lenny. He gave that, yeah, he... Gave me that nickname because he said, oh, you're sitting in front of the vagina for 15 minutes drawing things before you start doing the surgery. What are you? He's Russian. He's like, what are you, Vigilangelo? <laughs> <laughs> so that... Great <laughs> name. So <good>. Love it. <laughs> but so that's the other thing which we do. Um, we fix the angle and we pronounce the uh, G-spot, which is the basically inside of the clitoris with injections that we are doing. A lot of people say, oh, that's O-shot. Like, you know what? A lot of respect for people who did O-shot and started it. But uh, what I do and I teach doctors who come to me is a lot more extensive than O-shot. We use the PRP, but we inject it in areas that are completely anatomically around the clitoris. But so... So that's those that are two genius. things from like a money perspective it's not worth it to do the o shot like if you're gonna spend the money spend yeah. it maybe a little more to do something that's gonna have better results you know what you do i i would see find people who actually do g-spot injection okay. you know and uh, they completely and the g-spot by the way we changed the name recently the g-zone injection and they go for the whole thing the whole O-shot is, I mean, it's just a trademark, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, a very nice ER doc came up with this idea that, oh, I'm going to do O-shot and I'm going to do P-shot for the penises. And uh, you got to come to my class. you got to pay like this much money to be able to use the name of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm sorry. You never dissected the clitoris. Let's just do something that works for people. And, you know, for I, I saw people, and the reason I'm saying I, I have patients coming to me, they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't think it works. I got O-shot like three times at this place and that place and that place. I'm like, give me a minute. Give me the chance to do it for you. It's not O-shot. It's actually non-O-shot. So they do it and they end up coming back like literally every six months to get it done because it, puts it on a different level but let's talk about angle for the guys the other thing you guys and you ladies can get help with if you don't want to do the surgery how can we fix this angle without doing any surgeries kegels are really important you do the kegels but butt plugs you know i call them I call them angle rectifier here we go here we go i call them a fun friday night (laughs) 
This has been a long running saga, so I'm really excited to hear about this. Okay, let's get into butt plugs. Like angle rectifiers. The angle rectifier, they are the most underrated, you know, sexual device. And I don't want to call these sex toys because right. this is like really an intervention that we have found out by doing ultrasound on the clitoris and on the angle of the vagina, I found out uh, that the angle is really get fixed with inserting a butt plug or angle rectifier. Now, it's really important how this angle rectifier looks like and what part of it, because you really want to put that underneath. The biggest part of it needs to be really underneath the perineal body the area that causes that angle. Of course, people say, oh, so is it going to fix it forever? No, it's not going to fix it forever. But when you are having intercourse, is the most important part. You have the angle rectifier in your anus and Life you're going to enjoy yeah, sex so much. You're going you're gonna to enjoy sex so much more and so does he. So that was the reason we actually, uh, this is... And I didn't think it was going to be this popular. Uh, yeah. We did some angle rectifiers. I actually did three sizes. Uh, the duo is like there's a small and there's a medium and then there's the advanced one. Okay. Uh, but they are, we did the measurement on an average. This distance is really important. That's why I say you have to take the trash out of, you know, sexual devices or sex toys and you bring science into it that is that was one of the reasons that we did this so exactly this area that you see this distance from here to here is the medium distance that for most people so they have that much distance that you need to actually lift up your perineal body and it gives you, you know, the thick part of it, it gives you a good like two, three centimeter variation. So if it's a little bit behind or forward, and it really fixes the angle of the vagina. It, I think for guys, especially because they love anus as we talked about it, you know, mm. it's super helpful as a part of the foreplay. You know, lubricate this after you're playing, you go down, you play with the clitoris, uh, you even stimulate the anterior wall of the vagina a little bit, the top wall of the vagina, as we said, all of those before you want to start having intercourse, you know, place one of these. I mean, of course, with your partner's consent, you know, <laughs> you lubricate the area, you put it in. And, I mean, if you yeah. listen to the podcast, you're going to. Remember me too, because it has the name of our company on it too. So. <laughs> We're going to need to Very get into all of those. I know. I cannot wait well, to try okay, this. I um, feel like, because we've talked about this before, and then yeah. people have even messaged us, and some people are like, you know, Team Sam, like all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. are like Team Tor. I've never tried that. Or people divided. have been like, oh, I've tried it, but like, I, it didn't feel good. I didn't like it. And I'm like, all right, there's like levels to it. I like that you just showed the different sizes. You're not going boom, bang, bong with like the advanced on yeah. your first day. Like chill yeah. y'all. I've also <laughs> never seen one quite like this shape in terms of it's interesting because a lot of the ones in the in my head that I'm going at are a lot more round. And I feel like this to me, something about the angle about this and like the shape of it. I'm like, this actually makes a lot of sense. And I like that you have the different sizes because we have um, a Tory size and then you have an advanced <laughs> But I think size. you should. I mean, people like, I think people that have had bad experiences, it's yeah. because a lack of like education and knowledge. Yes, like, yes. especially if you have a partner, 
that's doesn't, doesn't know, know what they're doing it. is rushing isn't patient isn't using proper lubrication yeah that would probably feel awful like yeah. everyone has had that even situation where, where like you know where you're having sex and it accidentally goes out and then in the wrong hole and then yeah. i've had like literally the wind knocked out of me where i'm like roll over and like don't even look at me don't talk to fetal me like position. i cannot breathe fetal position like yeah. i don't even know if we could start this back up again because it's so yeah. I'm like, I could get why there are some people that are like, no, that's an absolute no for me. And I'm like, I respect that. And if it really is, it is. But have you ever taken the time and the patience and the right route yeah. to get there? I think your mind would be completely changed well, and your whole life will improve. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. And listen, you don't need to have necessarily anal sex. I mean, yeah. of course, this is a good preparation for that too, but you don't need to, you're really doing this to fix the angle of the vagina. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you ladies are in medical field, so you understand anything we do, you start by dilating. You start from going from like a smallest size. If you want to put an NG tube, you know, and you really don't know the size, you try to go yeah. with the smaller one mm -hmm. that you think, you're not going to put like the biggest one. It's like... And it's not a competition. Even, you know, you think you want to go for, you know, advanced because you are lifting, I don't know, 375 pounds. It's actually, I think the holes there are going to be much tighter. So you, you should probably yeah, start from, uh, you got to start with the beginner. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the good thing with, with the beginner, we put like two of them. So it has the small and the medium. And then the advanced is, of course, a uh, uh, larger size. Can you also talk about, I want to go back to this, the orgasm gel. I'm really fascinated. Actually, with yeah. Sure. Can you gel. tell us how you even, like, yeah, before that, yeah, like, you started a back. line, the Correct. name, the back, like, yeah, tell let's us go. about your whole yeah. other business. Yeah. Sure. So we, we're going to talk about that. It's just, look, uh, to just connect it. For me, it all started after the fashion show. Of course, Designer Regina Fashion Show. We started getting a lot of, patients who I didn't think they would ever come to me, you know, from actresses that I was like, wow, I, I love these people when I see them on TV, basketball wives, which I didn't know because I wasn't that much into basketball, but I ended up getting a lot of good seats to very, <laughs> you know, great games because their husbands would come and they bring like tickets for us and everything. But, um, you know, after seeing all of those, I'm like, you know what? There is another mission here. It, it's really about before even getting into toys, which I always wanted to, as sexual devices, get into it. I'm like, there is another mission here. And it's really to bring women to the same level that men are and give them the same right. And that's when I did the book, A Woman's Right to Pleasure. And this is... It was kind of a turning point because it was super important for me. I, I went with uh, Black Book, uh, who is an amazing publishing, and I came. I gave them the idea that let's publish a book, A Woman's Right to Pleasure. And what we did, we have a lot of feminist artists, which initially they did not want to have their names with me on this book that they are all basically a female-centered book. They're like, why is an OBGYN male with like a little bit of beard from Iran, you know, uh, he wants to be on a book with like, you know, defending woman. And he's probably, it's just like a business or something. And 
when they saw my story, they saw what I'm doing for, you know, victims of female genital mutilation. When they saw I put myself in a position, you know, right now I cannot go back to Iran because of everything I've said and everything I've done. And it kills me because I still have some family back there and I, I would want to go back home. When they saw my situation, they're like, you know what? No, we want to be in this book with you. And I was so honored to have, you know, I'm going to show you the book. Uh, it's, it's, so a woman's right to pleasure and you know yeah. it was such an honor for me to have my name alongside with uh, Erica Jong and Roxanne Gay you know these are legends that i had with them and the artwork that's in this book we had people from like Georgia O'Keeffe that her estate does not even you know give rights to you to you know they put her work in museums but it was uh, it was an amazing experience for me to have this book. Uh, I'm like, you know what? It's time to go with my dream and instead of helping one person at a time, start helping everyone and come up with this line. So it's been five years since I started doing uh, official research on the orgasm gel. That was the first thing I made. And uh, I made so many different formulations. I would give it to my patients, uh, at a pharmacist who made them for me, I'm like, oh, let's just change this. Let's make more arginine. Let's add mint to it. Now let's do rosemary. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's so many different formulations. And I found the perfect formula. And for the first time, there are a lot out there, you know, from all the condom companies, you know, sensing, cooling sensation, warming sensation. But this was something that we used an extra ingredient that nobody has ever thought about because nobody really cared about, you know, woman's pleasure. Like, look at Viagra. It got approved in less than a year with, like, no problem. Boom, boom, boom. It's been around forever. And men can have it. Or penile uh, implants. You want to make it bigger, great. For it. They've been doing it for the past 30 years. You know, but for a woman... Even with breast augmentation, when it started 30 years ago, there was so much taboo around it. Oh, you know what? Is she a whore? Is she a porn star? You know, so it's it's always, the bias has always been there. But you know what? Women are not enjoying sex as much. So many times they have to fake it. So let's at least bring more blood supply to clitoris. So even if their mind is not in it with this partner, you know, there is so much blood supply that they feel, they get more feeling. So because of that, they would want to have sex. So uh, this is the newest formulation we had, the enchantment I'm gel. I'm so excited to try this. I can't wait. It's, it's actually good. It's for him and her. And for the first time live, I'm telling you, there is another one, enchantment serum as well. So that is... We're not selling that yet, but enchantment gel, it's amazing. Um, how do you use it? Yeah, how do you use it? That's a good question. Love it. How, but so, so the best to do is to use as foreplay, you know? So with your partner or if you want to masturbate, it takes between one to five minutes to get the full effects of it. So I would use outside for external use, of course. Uh, of course, any of these things go inside the vagina is safe. But uh, you're using it externally, use it around the clitoris, 
you stimulate around the glands of clitoris. So you bring a lot of, you know, basically sensation around there and you start the engorgement, which, by the way, we published an article in Sexologist magazine on this one as well, which we tested, we showed with ultrasound how much more blood flow with Doppler studies we bring to the clitoris using this. So I'm very excited about this myself. Uh, and look, it's good for men and women. Uh, it actually helps men as well. Of course, for women, that area, it's, you have more mucosa. So the effect is a lot more and very heightened. But uh, I have uh, friends who used it, especially same-sex same couple guys, they are telling me it put their sex on a different level. So it's uh, highly recommended for both. But of course, I made it for women initially. Yeah, we're excited yeah. for that one. And then can you tell us about um, the Spellbound? We're looking at that because I know the Spellbound stimulator. Yeah, we're on your website right we're now. We're on your website. Out all the, yeah, tell everyone what your website <laughs> we're is. Like, and then yes, exactly. They can follow along with Spellbound. us. <laughs> so Spellbound is, uh, it is my favorite toy. I mean, don't get me wrong. The butt plug we talked about, which I call it AR, Anger Rectifier or Reverie. I really love that because it changes the way people have sex. But uh, Spellbound so far, and I send, I send so many of them as gifts to my friends. Those are the friends I want. Yeah, for sure. They're my friend. Give me those gifts. <laughs> Listen, they're partners, and uh, I mean, I give them. I'll give this to your partner, to my guy friends, and uh, you know, uh, female friends who. So the guy friends are like, you know what, so and so, let's say Rachel doesn't want to have sex with me anymore. It says, oh, this is so much better than you. So I have a, <laughs> I have a partner in one of my ventures who's gonna actually post something on this but he's like oh you know what my, my girlfriend my fiance doesn't want to be with me anymore but it's really good to use it together uh, with your partner or use it on your own so what's happening it has two motors on it it has this top motor which you see up here which does the air pulse stimulation so kind of like big fan uh, emulating uh, oral sex uh if somebody's uh stimulating the glands of your clitoris so clitoris is there this basically just yeah. it's the glands of clitoris mm. and it has air pulse which is not just sucking so it goes in and out so put a little bit of gel whether it's enchantment gel or something lubricant and just put this on the glands of clitoris this is to kind of set the mood right and start engorging the clitoris and the good thing is that everybody's angle is a little different. So this adjusts your angle. So I would bend it to your angle and it stays in that. Okay. And this part vibrates. This is the internal part that wow. goes and sits oh. right on top of your G spot or G zone. So you are entering this in the vagina and it start, or you can just use them separately and start stimulating this part. You kind of see where is the best part. And at the same time, this is right sitting outside on the glands of your clitoris. So you are getting a full stimulation on the outside and inner portion of the clitoris at the same time, mm -hmm. which is really important because this is, I mean, this is like having a guy basically eating you 
you know, at a glance of clitoris and have another one having intercourse with you with the difference that the one that's having intercourse has a vibrator on the tip of his penis that most guys don't have. See, everyone so. wonders why I'm fine being single because <laughs> you made spellbound stimulator. I Here we go. Being single. I'm well, good. you've always said too, like, don't think of these as um, your competition. These are your teammates. Yes. Right? It's well, like, I'm these like, are... I need guys to know, like, you're not competing with yeah. these toys. These are your teammates. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, this is very, this is, this is very important. Look, these are, these are device. These are interventions that bring like, love back into the bedroom and as a guy if you don't have that macho ego and you can understand this that you know what if i have this device it's like guess what there was a time that oh you have to calculate everything in your brain now you you do it on your iphone or calculator it's not that oh i'm stupid right now because i can't no you know what I make the best out of my time and I get the best results. If you can bring her from zero to 10 and make her love you so much, why don't you get help of something else? And this is the best, this is the safest kind of threesome, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, so it's like seasoning on food. Like food (laughs) is fine in its natural state, but why would you not want to add seasoning to it? There you go. I I, I It's the sizzle. Yes, the sizzle. And you know what, your, your male partner, if you have a male partner, can use this as well, but uh, get another one for them, if anything, because a lot of my guy friends, and I mean, I tested myself too, this area, it's really good nipple stimulator, oh. if you want to use it on a nipple, so that's one thing. And also, I mean, this you cannot share, but if you want to get another one, this area that vibrates, because, you know, men's G-spot is... Uh, in their prostate a lot of nerves exactly converge in the prostate so you can put this part inside the anus mm-hmm. pointing at the prostate and turn it on and he would go crazy especially if you do that at the time as you are giving them a blowjob he's gonna Whoa, uh, it, it, okay. yes i like it we're getting creative here yeah uh, yes mm-hmm. well Chris, <laughs> christmas is coming up everybody so we're definitely gonna be getting on that Okay, what is the the other one on there? The la how am I saying Lalena. La Lena? La Lena? La La Lena. La La Lena is this. La La Lena is really I made this in honor of clitoris. This is really, you know, for over two thousand years, uh, they've been making uh, toys that look like penises. You know, so they look like penises, the sex toys like them, but this is the first toy that looks like anatomy of clitoris. And that's why I'm very proud of it. One reason I made this, initially I wanted to just make an ornamental toy like this with no function, no vibration, and be like, you know what? Just know how your clitoris looks like. Carry one. And a lot of the proceeds from this one, especially, is going to organizations that help victims of female genital mutilation. Because, you know, they they took away their clitoris or part of it from them. So we are trying to give back to them. So that was the first reason I made this. But then I'm like, you know what? Why don't we put a couple of motors in it? So it actually has three motors, one in the glands and two basically on the bo- in the bulbs here. So when you turn this on, it starts, you know, 
vibrating all over. So you can use it as a bullet. You can use it as, you know, to put it from outside right on top of the clitoris and put the sides Oh, on yeah. your labias yeah. and basically start stimulating the entire I feel like that would be a fun you know, one to use while having sex with someone yeah for sure while having sex and look look at this you can play with it yeah. oh yeah they can like play with it it is right it's flexible yeah yeah, yeah we need this whole line oh yeah we're <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> to get a trial of these I'm, I'm oh. <laughs> yeah um okay mm. i want to know this what is it like being a surgeon or a doctor working in such a taboo line of work like how do you because i feel like you're such a, well, a revolutionary so yes too like even yes. a lot of your peers and colleagues and other specialties are stuffy right like how do you navigate all this and like you know what's your mind what's your mindset on this you know as as you just said it's uh you know, it's it's a very stuffy field. Uh, you you hit the nail on the head. When I wanted to, I give you an example. I wanted to do the designer vagina fashion show. Uh, I spoke to somebody who's very close to me, my chairman. It taught me a lot of things, and he's like, he's like, well, you are crazy. You know, you're gonna do this, and he, he told me he's like, it's gonna go either way. It's either people are gonna say, you know. You are so crazy for doing this or people are going to understand your intentions. And he's like, I know you. I know your intentions are good. I've seen the good that you are doing for people. So I hope they see the right way. But be ready that you may even end up losing your license and everything because, you know, somebody is going to say, oh, you know what? He's a gynecologist. He's from Iran, especially back then. Now he's, I don't know. Uh, he, he calls himself the vagina whisperer. All of those things could have happened. But it, because it's never been open in medicine. And we are so scared of, especially in this country, we are so scared of lawsuits and everything. But I thought the cause is so much bigger. And that's what I tell myself every single day. The cause is so much bigger. I remember the first anatomy book I had back in Iran. And I, I used to study a lot. In the beginning of the book, when you opened it, I wrote, if all these nights of staying up, I was staying up all night. We didn't have, like, there were no computers to read off, like, oh, you know, a small, like, abstract. I'm like, if all these nights that I'm staying up, if all these things that I'm going through, all these hardships, help me get rid of one person's pain for literally one minute, and he or she tells me, thank you, it's already paid off for all these, you know, sleepless nights. That was my motto from when I started. So I told myself, now I got to that. I'm helping people day in and day out. But my maximum help is the 20 patients or 30 patients that I see every single day or the three surgeries, four surgeries that I do every single day. And that's why I'm like, you know what? I got to create something that's groundbreaking, as groundbreaking as an orgasm gel, that somebody who is sitting in the furthest places in Alaska and I, they don't have reach to come to me or they can't afford it, they can enjoy the same thing that my patient in New York City office or, you know, Florida or right now we have an office in Houston that I'm actually for the next five, six months, I'm going to be working out of here a lot. I'm like, I want these people to be able to get the same kind of care. And... 
so there are a lot of heat that I get here and there, but I just, my motivation always tells me, you know what, you are doing this for a much better good. Because if I wanted to look, I did the most difficult thing I did was to leave my country years ago to come here. My father owned the hospital. He had his practice. I could have been there. Uh, yes, it's not the most free country, but all my friends with my situation who stayed there, they're traveling. They go everywhere they want to go and they practice medicine with their own language. But I'm like, you know what? You left Iran for a different reason. So continue doing it. And that is because of that, whatever heat that I get, I just, I'm like, you know what? Forget about it. We're going to the next step and we want to do something more fun. And this masters in Johnson's business. I mean, Dr. Kim Lavi, who is working with me right now, she's even crazier than me, by the way. Um, you got to meet her. Dr. Lavi did, uh, she studied chemistry in Harvard, then studied medical engineering in Harvard, went to actually make one of the morselators that's on the market, which one of the big companies stole it from her, basically, uh, because she was studying in Harvard back then, ended up going to medical school at Yale and went to New York at Presbyterian to study radiology. Why do I say she's crazy? After finishing all of these things, she's like, you know what? I want to get into art. I want to get out of this. And that was the time she approached me on social media. And she's like, I really like the kind of work that you do. And she came, we started talking. I'm like, you know what? She's so like-minded. She has the balls to do the things that I do. I'm like, listen, we got to do ultrasound on the clitoris. Can you do it? Well, we can't get volunteers. It's uh, You need to get yeah. funding or approval for the research to get volunteers. She's like, I volunteer myself. So she started putting the gel on herself, doing the study ultrasound on herself to figure out, you know, what would be our best formulation. So, you know, I came here, I didn't come here all the way here to stop by a couple of things that I hear, uh, you know, answering to your question. But yeah, it, it's, it's not easy and there's a lot of stiffness and people don't care about sex. Remember, what's the name of this entire area in women? In anatomy books, what do they call it? The pudendal area. What does it mean in Latin? The area to be ashamed of. Wow. What's there to be ashamed of? Yeah, that's my prized possession. <laughs> that's our best asset. <laughs> I know, seriously. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you so much. Speaking oh. to our millennial Gen Z listeners do you have any good pieces of advice or um something that you could leave with the audience today well i mean there's so many things and you know i, I love i love talking and uh, especially when it comes to these kind of issues i can talk for the whole day but i i feel like millennials already know so much comparing to my generation you know, and I'm so proud to see this because they grew up with their phones in their hands. They grew up with social media. They don't, they don't take shit from anyone. If they want to do something, they actually do it. They cancel people on a whim if <laughs> there is, you know, if 
if they see somebody's wrong, they do, they are canceling, the millennials, by the way, are the ones who are canceling Iranian government and Islamic Republic right now as we are sleep, speaking. They are going to the streets in ages of like 13 to 22, 23. They're going in front of bullets because they, they are, they have a very different mindset and they have a very strong mindset. So don't look for the truth. Don't let anybody dictate your sexuality or tell you what's right or what's wrong. What's right is what makes you feel better. If it makes you feel better, because guess what? A good orgasm is priceless. A good relationship is priceless. A good physical connection with someone is priceless. And I see this because I treat patients day in and day out who don't have these things. And some of them are millionaires and billionaires. And they would give every cent of their money and their wealth to get what you can have when you are using your power. So just make sure you enjoy it. If something is not enjoyable, if sex is not enjoyable, if a partner is not enjoyable, if something is not right, don't do it for someone else. Do you first. It's the most important thing to do. I love that. You oh are like my, my favorite God. person. <laughs> oh, Dr. Marashi for president. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Dr. I love Rashi. you. Yes. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we yes. have to get you in actual person one day too. Yeah. Down the line because to well, be we honest. We left off like uh, half of our questions. Uh, yeah. I, am, all I do have, <laughs> a, we do have a lot more questions for you. So down the line, we're going to have to do another one. Yeah. And sure. Yeah, our goal one is to be like in, in actual studio with you. Yeah, we want to. We definitely want to meet you. We can't wait. Absolutely. Listen, by the way, if you if you want to, uh, because this is something I'm going to be doing. Uh, if you ever want to do anything in this studio, and that's we never talked about non-surgical things that we do. Uh, we do a lot of fillers around the area. We do a lot of mm. PRP and G-spot injections, and that could be done in the studio. I actually had uh, a very nice couple flew in from LA to me a couple of days ago oh. and she got the G-spot injection and he got injection in his penis because they both wanted to be, you know, yeah. we should do that for ready that to would go. Be fun. To oh my God. Totally. Can we please? Oh my God. That's sure. Also, by the way, that's genius. Cause PRP my Christmas and, and my birthday are December and my Christmas is two weeks away from my birthday. So and my birthday is like, coming up. Yeah. I'm like, is this not like the best birthday present for ourselves? Yeah. So hold on. When, when is your birthday? Mine's when, January 7th. Your... So it's two weeks after Christmas. And mine's so I October 22nd. to usually combine a Christmas birthday present to myself. Mm -hmm. And I usually splurge. And then, yeah, yeah she's. January 1st. Oh, January 1st. That's a good no wonder birthday. we're like so. Uh, yeah. That's a good exactly. One. No yeah. wonder you're um vice. Yeah, yeah, you're so okay with going against the grain. Yeah, the, Capricorn the in Capricorn you. Capricorn energy. Mm -hmm. You don't. You, you don't care. You, you say what you need to say. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, we're going to do a round two. Yeah, um, and we'll we're definitely going to send you some feedback once we get these products. We are so excited to try them. I cannot wait. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on today, and also the amazing work that you are doing. Yes, you are like improving everyone's life not just women but men too so yeah. you are the best yeah thank you so much for having me it, it's an honor to be on you know your show and it's uh, 
it's so great to see you guys work so hard. You're working at night in ICU, NICU. Uh, I mean, you're traveling for work, all of those, and you still make some time to do this because I feel like at the end of the day, it's the most important thing this day of age is information, to get the information to people. And uh, it, it's very important. What you are doing is amazing. So keep up Thank the good you. work. Well, and the holidays are coming up, so everyone is going to have to snag your products. Yes. Where can everybody find you and your product line? So the product uh, website is get, G-E-T, Sere, like ceremony, C-E-R-E, getsere.com. And uh, you will have a code for your show. You can put the code and just send it to me. I'm going to have the webmaster Perfect. to find Thank it. Thank you. I think they Thank already have. Yes, this is um, the best kind of Christmas presents. Yeah. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Or Hanukkah. Yeah, or absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah why not? Thank you so much. And wait, where are you on Instagram? Oh, yeah, where can we find you? Yep. And- uh, NYC Gyno. NYC Gyno. N-Y-C-G-Y-N-O. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Hope to see you guys soon. Why does everything he say is like the best thing ever? I could listen to him I need every man on earth to... Listen to this. Listen to him and... Take take notes. Notes. Yes. Please and thank you. Absolutely. This was such a fun episode. And to be honest, we really actually didn't get into a lot of the questions we want to get into. So we're, I can't wait. I'm like, we need to do round two down the line. We're going to make this happen. I mean, if Tori and I pop up in his office for a little, uh, <laughs> a little, Hey, how you doing? A little touch me up. Yes. <laughs> just saying a little, we G- might just get a little interview in. Can we do a G spot PRP please? Please. Um, thank you. This is genius. I like, why would I not want that? Oh my God. Okay. And as you guys know, if you are interested in buying some of the products for yourselves, for a loved one, maybe a gift, this would be a great gift for someone. Head over to get Saray, that's G E T C E R E.com and use the code selfie C E L L F I E for 15% off of your purchase. This is phenomenal. We're so, you know, we're going to do the gift that keeps on giving. This is the greatest gift to give. <laughs> that is, like if you're my friend please get me that or get things <laughs> absolutely um, and thank you so much for listening as always make sure you're following us on our insta that's at c-e-l-l-f-i-e underscore podcast you can find all the goodies linked there in our bio and please leave your instagram handle when you leave an apple podcast review so we can send you out some of our free stickers and goodies and drop those five stars on spotify we appreciate you so much absolutely and make sure you're following us on our insta that's at nurse tori and at hey samantha with two a's and stay tuned we got a fun little bonus episode on friday a little boop boop all right you guys bye. bye